interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. Be afraid. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Ghouls and gore. And sometimes a little more. My bloody podcast. <laughs> Dead or alive, you're coming to my bloody podcast this week. Oh my goodness, everyone. It is my bloody podcast time. We are so happy to be here for a new episode. I'm Brian Kluger with BoomStickComics.com and HighDefDigest.com. And uh, we're going to be uh, talking about all sorts of horror movies today. And of course, joining joining the podcast, as always, the... The um, I don't know. The creep. The, 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 the creep. He's the... Uh, he's the Ed 209, he's the RoboCop to my Ed 209, really. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, uh, uh, Preston Barta, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah! How are yeah. you? <laughs> I'm doing good, yeah. Uh, but I don't make entrances and shoot up people uh, within 14 seconds. That, that's true, that's true. I was like, I'm Ed 209, you're RoboCop. <laughs> I feel... uh, I'm RoboCop 2. You're Robo- RoboCop 2. I'm like so dumb that I'm like shooting people and then I shoot myself. That's really dark. <laughs> shoot myself, stop or shoot, bam. <laughs> and then just puts the gun to the head. Oh, it's so good. Uh, so yesterday, today is July 18th. Yesterday, of course, was July 17th, which on July 17th in 1987, RoboCop was released. And since uh, that happened... Uh, we're going to be talking about RoboCop as our main feature presentation today. I'm very excited about that uh, as well. You know, we have to pay, we have to pay our respects and tribute to Preston Barta's best friend in the world, Peter Weller. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so best friends. Be- they're best friends. They they talk all the time. So uh, yeah, we're gonna be talking about RoboCop. We're gonna be doing our bloody question. We're bringing that back, and we are going to be doing bloody recommendations. Uh, but first news, there's all sorts of news to talk about in the horror world today. Uh, before we get to that, Preston and I have had a fairly busy early start to the week. I know Preston had a way busier week than I did. He was uh, pulled in all different directions. I uh, I went. I, I did a couple of the things he did, but uh, Preston went all the way and all the way back. I think he's still alive. Yeah, uh, a lot of things. Yeah, started off my week with seeing uh, Dora in the Lost City of Gold. Um, and then I. It was horrific, wasn't it? Well, I can't say. <laughs> was, so, it, was it a horror movie? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's dance around that. Um, <laughs> And so, uh, yeah, I interviewed one of the talents from that film, and then on Tuesday morning, I interviewed one of them, and then after that, I watched The Peanut Butter Falcon, uh, finally. I was holding off on it because I watched so much stuff throughout the week that I wanted to be fresh in mind, and the big thing that I had to do that night was moderate a Q&A with director Lulu Wong, who directed The Farewell, an A24 movie. 
And so most of my focus was going to that. And so I miraculously somehow just was able to squeeze it in and then prepare for that interview and did the interview. And it was so much fun. Those guys were great. And you talked to him too, Brian. And I brought, I, I was like, you guys talked to Brian uh, right before me. Right. And he's like, Oh yeah. The guy that asked all the, you know, the wrestler guy. And I was like, yeah, I was like me and him do a podcast together. And it's like, Oh shit. So it was fun. Yeah. Those guys were, those guys were great. They made a good movie. Yeah, no, they did made a good movie. I'm glad they remembered me. I really wanted to go to the screening too, but uh, it didn't work out. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it, it's cool. I wish I could could have saw the film in, in like in a theater with an audience because it really is one of those films that seems like it would do so well for that sort of thing. I mean, it won the audience award at South by Southwest, and I unfortunately couldn't make that screening because it like I think it played during the middle of the week. But I believe James Cole Clay saw it there and he wrote up a review and did all that. And so but we at least saw it and we can go pay to go see it if you want to see it with an audience uh, sometime in August. Right. Yeah, that's the way to do it. Go see that movie. But we it's Thursday here and we are we are well rested, I think, ready to talk about horror movies and we're very excited about it. So let, let's let's jump right into the news, the trailer that was just literally released less than 10 minutes ago um, to the world. Actually, I think it was released yesterday for a few select people at San Diego Comic-Con. Um, which was is, it called Scare Diego or yeah, something? Yes, Scare Diego. San Diego Comic-Con. I have a lot of gripes about it these days, but... Uh, we, we were getting a lot of movie news and horror movie news in the coming days, so we'll definitely be updating you uh, next week with all of that news. But uh, the It Chapter 2 trailer, the new trailer for It Chapter 2 was released uh, at Scare Diego, San Diego Comic-Con yesterday, and then online just 10 minutes ago for everybody. Preston and I watched it. It's got a ton of new footage. And uh, I must say, I, it looks good. It looks scary. It looks great. I'm I'm excited for this. And it, it's interesting because you know the first trailer for the first it movie and this one, there is no comedy in it. Like there, it's like straight scares. But when we watched it, chapter one, there was a quite a bit of comedy in it. Like it was pretty funny. So I wonder if that's going to be the same in this second movie that they're not like showing off or if this is going to be completely serious. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I would I would think that since they're adults, they you know, it's kind of like similar to Halloween 2018 with, you know, Laurie. Not that the original Halloween was a comedy or anything, but uh, because it's been so long and. Uh, it, it can that whole experience from it chapter one can be so traumatizing for all those kids. And so as now as adults, um, knowing that Pennywise is going to be back in uh, 27 years, it's uh, I, I'm sure the tone of the film's going to be I'm sure it's going to have its comedy moments. I mean, you still got like Bill Hader in there and he's great and uh man uh sidebar moment i just i don't know if you've watched any of the interviews that bill Hader's done uh i think he was promoting barry season two but he's been on a couple talk shows like conan and uh colbert i think and or seth myers and uh they they'll ask him about the experience of working on it chapter two and 
and he says, oh, well, I've just learned how like how not good of an actor I am when it comes to like being in a horror movie because my scared face is like kind of like shocked looking. It's not like a <laughs> scared face like you it, it like he just had a hard time kind of uh, immersing himself in that world. And then like the director, Andy Musietti, would be like, Bill, you need to uh, act scared, man. <laughs> and he's like, man, I'm trying and it's just not working. And so uh, and then he made a joke about how, uh, yeah, it's chapter two. It's that's what it's called. It's, it's. Um, so so that, that, that's what was going through my mind the entire time when I was watching the trailer. But um, <laughs> I, I, I think that it's probably not going to be as funny as the the first one was but i'm sure it will have its comedy moments but it there's there's a lot that these characters have dealt with and uh being adults they can go a little darker and so yeah i'm very curious but it looks good the stuff with like james mcavoy as bill great. yeah there's that scene with him in the 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 glass yeah the, yeah. the hall of mirrors and hall whatever um looks really terrifying like i i'm trying to like i don't even want to imagine like having my own like son going through there and then just being completely blocked off from him as something happens where it's beyond my control like that's just a parental fear i never want to imagine yeah and you so don't want I, to have a uh, pennywise looking at the glass with a long ass tongue sticking on the yeah licking it <laughs> um yeah uh cool thing is that uh it seems like Bill Skarsgård, who plays Pennywise, is doing something a little different with his voice. He has like this more aged, kind of tired sound, and uh, brings it to another level of of terror to me. Um, so I'm curious how that will unfold. And and then one of the last shots of the trailer, you see him in like a kind of like a tired state where he looks more in human, human form right. with just like makeup thrown on him in like a joker kind of way yeah no i, I like that too i'm very excited to see where this goes and how much because like the first one kind of stuck to the book quite a bit so i'm curious if they'll do that this time and i wonder if they'll have like the the spider yeah, the spider or the sex scene, since they're all older now. I wonder if that will come into play as well. Is it, it, yeah, they'll cut back uh, in some weird way. Like, oh, yeah, we we totally just uh, missed that part. Um, but, yeah, uh, from, like, a lot of the – I think we meant talked about this when we started seeing, like, earlier set photos or maybe when the first uh, teaser dropped that we're seeing uh, stills from uh, the set of the older cast, like Jessica Chastain. Uh, in a moment in a scene with the younger cast as like kind of maybe walking around dairy yeah it just seems like they're reminiscing or thinking back reflecting on those times and it seems like they're going to aesthetically do a lot of cool stuff yeah i know I'm, I'm looking forward to it it was a pretty good trailer so uh check it out it doesn't give really a whole lot away if at all and it just kind of like sets you up for what potentially could be a very scary film yeah so it chapter two uh september 6 there you go there you go september 6 check it out uh moving on to uh a little bit of toy news um again talking about chucky again uh neca and neca is finally releasing life-size 30 inch tall uh dolls 
life-size replicas, screen-accurate Bride of Chucky, meaning you'll get the cut-up uh, version of Chucky and then Tiffany in their respective outfits. And uh, they look unbelievably good. Uh, they're going to be about $450 each. They're both up for pre-order at the NECA store. They will be arriving uh, in February, so several months from now, just in time for Valentine's Day. But if you go to NECA's site and you check out them, I mean, 30-inch tall, they're, like, they're screen accurate. They look unbelievable. They're probably the best uh, Chucky dolls you will ever see or get to buy, and goddamn, I want one so badly. What about you? Oh, I would love to have one, but I... You know, similar to when we were talking about Phantasm Collection, I am not that crazy to drop that amount of money on something like that. If I was a really rich person and I had money to blow, sure. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you can see, as you indicated there, that you can see where all the money goes. It's very detailed, and it looks really incredible. But um, So kudos for those artists that made it, but... Um, I have a kid. I got so many other things going on in life, so that's not where my money is. I mean, technically, these are toys and dolls. This could be a Christmas present for Roe, right? <laughs> yeah, but I, hey, Roe, I spent all of your Christmas money on this scary ass doll. <laughs> and then it also comes with a lifetime of trauma. <laughs> that's the best thing you could do, really. <laughs> Well, if you want to be a good Uncle Brian, all right, go for good, it. good, good. <laughs> all right, all right. So yeah, check that out. Let's move on uh, to a little bit of Stranger Things. Uh, last week on the show, we talked about Stranger Things season three, and we've got a couple of things to discuss here. First off, Dark Horse, the uh, comic book company, Dark Horse, that has brought us tons of good comic books in the past, including Star Wars comics uh, and Evil Ernie comics. Uh, they are getting into the Stranger Things comics, a graphic novel called Stranger Things Zombie Boys. And then uh, basically this is this comic book will follow the events of season one of Stranger Things where the main characters, uh, Mike, Lucas, Dustin, and Will, uh, will return to normal life after overcoming what happened in season one. So uh, it sounds like a, a good good time. It's called uh, Stranger Things Zombie Boys, and the cover of the first um, the first issue kind of looks uh, look, looks like some people some kids are turning into zombies, and the kids have to like f- fight it uh, or keep it off. Uh, Greg Pack is one of the. Uh, uh, writers, so that is awesome. So yeah, it's a, oh actually it's a seventy-two page graphic novel. So I'm kind of ex- interesting in this. Uh, what do you think? I mean, I know you probably won't read it, but right. Um, I don't know. Like looking at the cover itself, it seems like you know Lucas uh, is not a zombie, uh, but it looks like poor Will again is like not going to be a a front runner in this uh, maybe heroic situation, he's just going to be a zombie and uh, put on the back yeah. burner. Uh, un- un- unfortunate that poor, that poor guy, Will is always, Will can't, can't catch a break. That's why they're, that's why they're moving. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm excited about this. This is, um, 
I mean, I'm curious to see what else is in the universe and if they're doing like in between uh, seasons. That's kind of cool to me. So there you go. A way to make money for uh, Stranger Things and Netflix. But there's uh, more Stranger Things news, right, Preston? Uh, yes, uh, we don't, it's not a confirmed thing. Um, one, uh, news source, uh, brought it to our attention, uh, production weekly, but they're not, maybe not the most reliable, uh, source, but it's still being spread out there. But, um, it looks like possibly stranger things season four will start, uh, shooting this October, and as it's indicated at the end of season three, um, that the the crew might be joining together during like the holiday season, maybe Thanksgiving or Christmas time. So if that's the case, then maybe they'll release season four next year around Christmas time or the holidays uh, to kind of fit in with uh, the setting of the story. So. Um, I guess this is just kind of like what the, the, the latest rumor is. Um, I, I don't think it's like the most juiciest piece of news. We know that they're going to be making more. So, um, I guess it's just like uh, more of a shock that, you know, season two, uh, aired in 2017 and then season three coming out this year to almost two years later, um, that they're getting it done quicker than maybe most people anticipated, or at least kind of just going off of how it went down from season two to season three. So, um, maybe, uh, they have a good idea in store for us and maybe they plotted it out in a way that'll be satisfying. But I, I hope that they take the time that they need to kind of make it, be as good as uh or as at least as enjoyable as season three was all the character stuff like everything that we talked about last right yeah don't rush it um rush it yeah that's what that's one mistake they can make but let's hope they know what they're doing don't you think yeah but yeah but they probably don't want them to be like you know 18 college years or something like that um and then they're all ready all uh apart from each other at that, at that point. Like, I think probably the end of season four would be the moment where they're like, well, guys, we will always have Hawkins. And then they go their separate ways yeah. kind of thing. We'll see what happens. But yeah, filming in October, supposedly, allegedly. Um, so right. there you go. Uh, let's move on to another movie trailer that was released this week. Uh, Rob Zombie's new film, Three from Hell, which is the sequel to House of a Thousand Corpses and The Devil's Rejects, starring the original three murderous trio, Captain Spaulding, Otis, and Sherry Moon Zombies. Um, oh, what's her name? Baby. So, uh, yeah, the, the new trailer, you know, it looks, again, very much like Rob Zombie, looks very much like Natural Born Killers. Uh, also looks like there's like a media aspect to it, like natural born killers. It, I, I gotta say, I, it looks good to me. Um, I hope it's in the vein of devil's rejects. And, but I also hope that he brings a little bit horror aspect to it. Like they did in house of a thousand corpses. I really love the Dr. Satan thing. Like that was such a cool, a cool moment in the film. So I wonder if he's going to stick with kind of like, again, the natural born killers, 
aspect tone or if he'll go more horror with it. I don't know, but the trailer itself looks good as we see these three uh the, these three characters survive the end of Devil's Rejects in a shootout. So it looks like they survived, they escape, and they're on the war path again. So I don't know. Preston, did you watch it? I did watch it. Um, I It's pretty stylized, like the trailer. Um, it seems like it's almost kind of distracting you from uh, maybe sniffing out that it could possibly be a bad movie. <laughs> um but I, I'm hopeful for it. Um, I think the the direction that he's taken the story in with bringing the media into the into the film is an interesting, uh, I guess, direction to take it in. But um, I'm not completely sold on it yet. So I think you, Brian, you're a bigger fan of his work than I am as a filmmaker. And so uh, this could be one of those things where you probably watch it and then uh, I'll wait until you report <laughs> on it and then we'll go okay. from there. I mean, I, I, I'm not a fan of his Halloween 1 and 2 movie and his last one, the, the 31 hours or something like that, the how the clown one or just, just 31. 31 yeah, I think. It wasn't great. Um, but I really enjoyed um, the Lords of Salem. That was a great, is like, is very slow burn movie. And I think, and it, just something about Devil's Rejects was just so good and still so good. I just, I just hope that he doesn't mess it up. But from this trailer, like Preston said, yes, it's stylized, which is kind of Rob Zombie in a way. But I'm really hoping that uh, it's a well balanced mix. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I watched a there, there's these guys that I watch that do like trailer reactions and uh, they made a good point about, you know, we always get like excited about the thought of a Rob Zombie film. But we're just every time we watch it, we're like, ah, he shit the bed again. <laughs> um, and so they 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 described him as like one of the guys in uh, Varsity Blues as Rob Zombie as one of the guys in Varsity Blues when the coach is like, son, you must be the dumbest smart person out there. <laughs> and that's kind of like the feeling that Rob Zombie gives off. Like every time uh, I talked to him one once for uh, Lords of Salem and I had a really good conversation with him. He's just like a super intelligent guy, knows a lot about the horror genre. But um, I'm just kind of surprised by how he just doesn't seem to illustrate that as well as he articulates it again, always hopeful that he'll bring something and being that devil's rejects is probably arguably his best film. Um, and him kind of coming back to this territory, uh, maybe he will showcase that he's, got it together now yeah so we'll and plus i love those characters they, they they're like darkly funny and it, the trailer shows kind of some good gore and stuff like that so we'll we'll hold out hope or at least i will and i'll report back to preston to see <laughs> let him know how it is maybe we get rob on the podcast i don't know that'd be awesome yeah and be like hey you want to go back and listen to preston's <laughs> thoughts on episode 59 yeah. he's like man 
he really put you under the under the fire. Yeah, but maybe he will like that. Maybe he needs to be put under the fire. Maybe he needs to put like, hey man, yeah, I'm just kind of I need I need to work more at this. Eh, some people need to hear that. So, so three True. from hell, a new trailer. Check it out. Moving on. So this film is finally getting a release in September, September 20th to be exact. The movie is called Bloodline and it stars Sean William Scott. It premiered at Fantastic Fest this last year, which I went to it. I was at the midnight showing of it. Uh, Preston, I can't remember if you were in that theater or not. All oh, right. Yeah, so were you there when I made the comment and all the, the filmmakers were? In, oh, fantastic. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. A very, very why don't you tell that, that story? Very again. awkward moment. Uh, so I was, I, I came into the theater. We were all sitting down. I think like the second row from the ground, and there was already a group of people sitting in front of us. And it was midnight. We had been up for a while, and I was just kind of tired. And but I was excited for the movie. But I said out loud, "I was like, God damn! I hope this movie's not two hours long." Ugh. And then somebody from the row in front of me turned around. I was like, it's not. And I'm like, okay, good. <laughs> and it turned out all those people were the filmmakers of the movie. <laughs> oh, it was very embarrassing. <laughs> but funny, too. But I ended up loving the movie so much. It was one of my favorite films from the festival. And Sean William Scott, holy shit, is so good in it. And uh, Stifler, who would have known? Uh, and uh, I'm... Well, if you've seen Goon, yeah, yeah. If you've seen Goon, Goon, oh, Goon one is so great. Uh, This movie is it. It has elements of Dexter to it, and I guess uh, that uh, that's where I'll go with it. But I'm very excited that it's finally getting a release date in limited theaters and on VOD um, on September 20th, and I think it deserves it because it's actually a really good movie and. You kind of, you really like this character, Sean William Scott, and his family, and it's just kind of a cool story. I, I, I really liked it. I can't remember if Preston liked it or not. Well, I have to say, uh, hey, man, that's just your opinion. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did not I did not like it. Um, there's things I did like about it, and I like what – I like this kind of performance from Sean William Scott. I like when he takes chances versus being that – that same kind of Sean William Scott character. I, mean, I guess because he's getting older and he doesn't need to be that like loose cannon guy anymore. Um, I like, especially, yeah, Goon. I, I like Goon too as well. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. It, I just remember, I've already forgotten about the movie. So that just doesn't, that's not a good sign. And so I just remember not really enjoying it at all. It, I don't think it had anything to do with how late it was because I'm, I'm not a night owl person at all. I'm a a morning person. So, you know, I guess take that with a grain of salt. But I just found that it just didn't live up to its potential given its storyline. And so um, I think I just had issues with it tonally. And so I don't know. I'm willing to give it another chance to try it out again. That's what I was that's what I was thinking. uh, Like since we saw it in September, I wonder if like a year later it's coming out. I wonder if they changed anything or added or cut out or something like that so i'm yeah i'm genuinely curious about that i don't i can't remember if i wrote a review on it or not but um i'll have to go back and see if i made any kind of detailed notes because um yeah i just put that into you know from inside out put it in that gray area where it just kind of goes yeah yeah i'm uh so we'll see but uh 
yeah, wasn't the biggest yeah, fan. Yeah, uh, I am. Uh, I'm very interested in it. So, um, moving on to another, like, really. Did I just make you really sad? No, no. I'm, I, well, sad. I'm, I'm sad that you didn't like it as much as I did because I feel I, 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 when I was watching the movie. Well, now, now you feel how I did with Pet Cemetery. <laughs> yeah, I think I broke you. Just, you broke no, my you heart. You didn't break me hard on this one. Like, if you would have said that, I think, on Evil Dead, I think I would my heart would have been broken. But <laughs> but yeah. I'm still going to give the new Pet Cemetery a shot, though. I'm going to give it another another, another look just to, to appease you and see if I, if I come to the light on that one but uh no 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 i'm just i just remember really liking it and i think i was like kind of blown away at his performance in um in the film and just hey man people can be really good in shitty true. movies as proven with david harbour yeah, that's and that, you're very right and i was as you were saying that i was thinking the exact same thing <laughs> so there was some i'm, tr- I'm trying to think if i can say this as well as uh i was listening listening to some podcasts and they said it's better to be um shit in a um good movie than it is to be uh good in a shit movie (laughs) or something like that it's a way to look at it yeah because if you're i mean if you're shit in a good movie at least you can uh be i don't know supported by everybody else yeah. in the movie and but yeah if, if you're in a shit movie and you're good yeah, that movie's just completely yeah, forgotten there you go all right all right so, so talk okay. about what's movie, next yeah what's next is a very cool piece of news which i'm very very excited about uh zach snyder we all know Zack Snyder from Batman vs. Superman or Watchmen, but before all of that, before all of that, he direct, his first directed movie he did was Dawn of the Dead remake in 2003 where all the people show up at the mall, Ving Rhames was in it, Sarah Pauly. That movie was movie so goddamn good. And that, James Gunn, Guardians of the Galaxy, James Gunn wrote that movie. Zack Snyder has been talking about another zombie movie for a while, and it looks like it has officially... Uh, started production and it is a big budget zombie film called Army of the Dead and Garrett Dillahunt from Fear the Walking Dead is uh, join the cast as well as a ton of other people but um, the this zombie thing is going to be set in Las Vegas and uh, basically has a group of mercenaries uh, kind of like out of the quarantine zone to, I don't know. This, it, it, what it sounds unbelievably good. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a heist film. Like they're, they, it, it has Dave Bautista in it too. So it's like you know getting a crew together to basically pull off this heist in a quarantine zone. So you know when I read that, I'm thinking. I feel like there's more important things to life, like life itself, than getting something that. Uh, but it, it's I, I don't know what they're trying to get. I don't think it's as simple as money or something. But uh, I don't know what the world is like. If it takes like, hey, if you're dealing with an apocalyptic world, you have to be a rich person to survive out here. So that could be the case. So I just need to know like what's kind of going on in this world, and given everything that. 
the, or the talent that Zack Snyder brought to the screen with Dawn of the Dead, I think he can make it happen. And so I'm, I'm happy that he's returning to his roots here a little bit in that uh, one of the quotes that he released when this news broke is that the handcuffs are off. Like he felt so uh, restricted by working within the world of DC with Batman v Superman and Man of Steel and that he can just make what he wants to make now. Um, so that that has me excited. And I think this cast is good. I really like Garrett Dillahunt. And it's uh, I, I'm hoping that the character would be a little bit different than Fear the Walking Dead. And I look I really do like him on that show. He's really great. And so but he would be great for that kind of role uh, where he is the loose cannon character uh, kind of, or similarly to his little short part in uh, No Country for Old Men where he's just kind of like making all these like comments that is pissing off the more straight guy. And so I think I, I'm very curious. Um, so yeah, I'm excited about this. I think this is Yeah, good. no, I, I, I agree with you all the way. Like that, that, that Dawn of the Dead remake was so hardcore and I still love watching because it it's still scary as hell. And he just did such a good job with that. And uh, I'm to see this big budget zombie movie like in it, you know, when they did World War Z with Brad Pitt, like it was like a different animal, which I still like that movie in some aspects. This seems more visceral. And I kind of like to think, you know, going to George Romero's Land of the Dead where the zombie outbreak already happened and there was the city and they have to break out of the quarantine and go into the quarantine era area. I just think that was kind of a cool aspect of it. So they're pulling off a heist. Maybe they have to get supplies or food or from another camp. I don't know. I, I, I have no idea, but if Zack Snyder's doing return to the zombie genre, he already knocked it out of the park once. I think he'll do it again. So, and then like Preston said, no restraints. <laughs> he doesn't have to worry about uh, a thousand people telling him what to do. He's just going to go for it. So there you go. Let's uh, let's do this, right? Yeah. Very exciting. Yeah. Exciting Very stuff. exciting stuff. Um, all right. So um, I'm going to talk about a couple of things, uh, not just a couple of uh, home video releases. So Warner Archive Collection is re-releasing... The Witches on Blu-ray with a new HD master, the one with Angelica Houston, the 1990 film done by Jim Henson. Uh, very excited about this. This is because uh, it's been released before, but this is a <laughs> brand new HD master, which uh, is pretty cool. And if you've never seen this movie, The, w the Witches, like, yeah, it's for kids in a way. Like, even this new... Fo this new cover art looks very kid-like, but holy shit, if you watch it, there are some really, truly terrifying scenes in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm I'm excited about Warner Archives, like, just releasing stuff that's more in the horror area. I know that they've done this before, but um, just like lately, they've been doing a lot of, uh, you know, Bronco Billy and... Uh, Corvette Summer, which are great to watch, but man, uh, it's exciting when they do something that's uh, more in my lane. Yeah, yeah, and I'm, I'm excited they're doing this, and I'm just excited that it's not just 
re-releasing for kind of a cash grab. They actually look like they did a new HD master and they might have uh, other other um, extras to it, but there's no release date. They just know it's coming and we got the cover art, which looks cool. I'm very excited about this. And then uh, cool. the other one, which just came through the email uh, earlier this morning, Criterion's uh, October announcement for Blu-rays. And finally, we're getting... One of the uh, finer, um, the finer horror films from the 1930s, uh, which is Haxon, one of my f- one of my favorite horror films. Uh, Haxon, oh my goodness, have you seen Haxon? I it have is not. a silent film all about uh, satanic rituals and Satan himself. And oh my, I cannot wait finally because I have it on DVD. It's never been released on Blu-ray, so I'm very excited about this. Uh, if you check out the cover art for that Haxon, um, un- you, when you see it and you're just like, oh man, these visual effects back then, oh my goodness, this is crazy. So uh, it's basically the history of the occult and witchcraft and Satanism on film, and it is unbelievably good. So finally getting the Blu-ray treatment, uh, which I cannot wait to see. So... Uh, that's my Blu-ray news. I know, Preston, you had a couple of mystery uh, items you wanted to discuss, so I can't wait to hear them. Yes, uh, kind of going off of Haxon with like sat- Satanism and all that. Um, I listened to the podcast, A24's podcast, with Ari Aster, uh, director of Midsommar and um, Hereditary, and then they also had... Uh, Robert Eggers on there who directed the witch. And so that's just like a gold mine of an opportunity of just these two guys just discussing uh, Bergman and Tufkowski uh, and stuff like that. And so uh, it was really an engaging conversation. And so one of the things that was uh, talked about on there is that w- what was cool is that they were just brutally honest with each other uh, about their opinion of others works and things like that but uh what was really surprising is that on the a24 podcast they talked about their relationship with a24 and they said that that you know they love working with them and everything but uh robert eggers said that you know when he did the witch there was that uh marketing thing that that a24 did with uh the satanic church and all that do you remember that yes i do i do so that whole situation uh, caused some uh, trouble for Robert Eggers um, for shooting his next film, uh, The Lighthouse, with uh, Willem Dafoe and uh, Robert Pattinson. And so they wanted to like shoot in Poland, and uh, this the country of Poland ref- said that he couldn't come to the country to do a location scouting. Um, because they believed that he was a Which Satanist. Is crazy. And so they had to, yeah. So they had to spend a week convincing Poland that he is not a Satanist. <laughs> oh, does it, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. So I don't know. It's really cool. Um, so yeah, you can go, uh, uh listen to that podcast now through a 24 and I think they're going to be releasing like an extended cut of it. Um, 
but yeah, it was really, it was a really great conversation. So you can go check that out uh, now. But um, the other thing I wanted to bring up is it's a movie that I watched as a potential bloody recommendation because it's something that I've been wanting to uh, see for the longest time. And I've talked about it here on this podcast. I believe it released theatric theatrically back in May. And that's uh, Charlie says the Charles Manson film, the latest Charles right, Manson not to be film confused with the, yeah, not to be confused with once upon a time in uh, or the Hollywood of Sharon Tate, all of kind of released. Yeah. Sim- <laughs> right near each other. Yeah. But I was really excited uh, by the film's trailer. Uh, it, it just seems like, we were going to get a different perspective on this story. I've seen, you know, at, in high school, I was a big true crime fan. I would read true crime books and things like that. And so I was just fascinated as the rest of the world seems to be with all the true crime shit that we have coming out on Netflix and everything like that. But I was just really into it then. And so I read into to, uh, Charles Manson and uh, his story and just the way that he lived his life and uh, how he just his manipulative ways and so i was really fascinated by this film because uh the trailer showed that it was going to be more from the perspective of the family itself in the aftermath of um you know them realizing what they've done what their action what how they how charles manson forced them to do things that they um like really horrible things. And so, uh, just kind of dealing with the aftermath of the, of the killing of Sharon Tate. And so, um, this was just like a, a, a great opportunity to kind of explore that and just tell a different type of story. However, I knew that, um, uh, Matt Smith, who's known for Dr. Who, he was playing, uh, Charles Manson in this. And so, I didn't know like how big of a part he was going to play in the story and that it was going to be more um, focused on the women in this film. But uh, it's pretty split down the middle in that it's two different timelines. We're dealing with like um, the the women in the film, uh, like Leslie Van Hooten um, and uh, Patricia uh, Kreenwinkel and Susan Atkins and how um, they kind of like find Charlie and then how things are on the, the ranch that they live on. And so um, I'm familiar with that part of it. I, and it, it doesn't always it, like this, that sort of stuff, like all that experimentation that they did on the ranch doesn't exactly like make, uh, make for the most like comfortable viewing at all. Um, there's like some things that he does where it's like interesting. Um, like for instance, in this film, one of the women who uh, suffered like past trauma has like all these marks on her back. Um, he asks her to strip naked, strip down, and you can tell that she's very uncomfortable. But then uh, he, he asks her to turn around so he can show the the rest of the people there on the ranch her scars, and so you can say that she's beautiful. And they, he asked everyone to kind of stand up and just tell her how beautiful it, she is. So it reminded me a little bit in Midsommar when, uh, Danny, uh, of Florence Pugh's character after she like witnesses uh, a really ho- horrific thing that 
causes her to like break down and cry that the rest of the people there, the women that are there cry with her. And it's kind of like this beautiful moment of, um, her finding her people. And so the, there's like moments like that, that are kind of, uh, nice for it to have in a movie that's, that's, you know, disgusting territory. Um, but then it kind of gets to like all the stuff that you're you're familiar with if you're familiar with uh, Charles Manson's story, and so I wanted like more new things, and I wanted them to lean more into the aftermath of these three women being in jail together, knowing that they're going to spend the rest of their, their life there, and like renouncing uh, Charles Manson, and. I just thought it would have been so fascinating if it was like this, like therapy type of situation where like these women are not ready to let go. And then like, just, it's just like an opportunity, like to be a dramatic story of them letting go of him and then finding their peace with, within themselves again. And so, and there's just there's not enough information out there, I guess, when especially with uh, Leslie Van Houten's character or as a person. And so um, I just wanted more of that territory. And I just felt like the, the movie was a missed opportunity. I thought Matt Smith made a pretty exceptional Charles Manson. Um, but again, it just felt like, you know, two movies mashed into one. And I just didn't. It just didn't hit at what I wanted it to hit at. So, uh, yeah, that's Charles. Uh, Charlie says, and it's going to be out through Scream Fat or Shout Factory and IFC Films. And so, I think it comes out in August, I believe, um, on disc. And so, yeah, I watched it, and all that was on there was like one short making of, which wasn't that special. But so I was pretty let down by it, but there is good stuff in it. So I think if you're like a completionist of in 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 a way of stories involving Charles Manson, um, I think it's one to see because there there is some good stuff in it. But overall, I just was kind of let down by it. Well, all right. So I, I guess I shouldn't see it. Um, well, I guess it, I mean, it's, again, it's up to you. Um, but I. Maybe you you might uh, like that it does this two different timelines, but given that it's directed by the filmmaker behind uh, great movies like American Psycho, uh, Mary yeah. Heron, I, I just kind of expected a little bit more from it, and it felt more like the movie that she would make before American well, Psycho. Okay, then. Moving backwards. Well, all right. Yeah. I think that wraps up our news section, right? All right. Yeah. The, 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 the long 45 one. minute long news section. I like it, though. We had a lot of good stuff to talk about. And we'll probably have a lot more stuff to talk about next week because it's San Diego or Scare Diego Comic Con. So, uh, but that moves, uh, that brings us to uh, my bloody questions where we ask a horror movie question, we answer it, discuss it, and uh, usually a fun one, and we bring it over to Reddit and ask our gracious uh, listeners there the same question, and we uh, we mentioned them on the show. So Preston came up with this fun-as-hell question this week. So Preston, enlighten us, good sir. Yeah, um, so it's, it's out there that Peter Weller, the star of RoboCop, 
during the warehouse shootout sequence in RoboCop. He was listening to Peter Gabriel's Red Rain um, while doing that scene to kind of get into the feel of, of being in that uh, situation. Um, and th- that's not, I mean, he's done it before as well. I think even when we reviewed Screamers, uh, I talked about that there's an action scene um, where he was listening to, I, I can't, it, it might have been like Led Zeppelin or something like that. Uh, it's out there somewhere. I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but he likes to listen to music um, a lot. He's a music man. And so um, one of the things that I really look forward to when it comes to like action scene or action movies is uh, the shootout sequences. And, and when it's like really fun, uh, snappy ones uh, you can just anticipate that they're going to use like a fun uh, song to kind of illustrate how badass uh, of a moment it is so hypothetically if you were in a shootout sequence what would be your shootout sequence song what would be your jam so um i came up with three songs that i would like to see in a shootout <laughs> that would like be like if i was in the shootout this is what the songs i would want to do want like want to be listened to and i want myself to play out in slow motion to these except for the last one but uh, my three are uh, a song by Black Joe Lewis called Skull Diggin'. It is such a cool song with like heavy, rough guitar riffs. And But if you play, if you visualize the visual uh, part of it of Slow Down to hear it with this audio, I think it would be super cool to listen to. And like his kind of James Brown screaming voice, it's just great. And then another one that I picked is very interesting, but I also think it would be a very creepy shootout. Um, Also in slow motion, but it's uh, a song by the New Seekers called I'd Like to Teach the World to Sing, which was kind of made famous when uh, Coca-Cola bought that song and said, I'd like to teach the world to buy a Coke, or I'd like to buy the world a Coke. Um, so I think with that like kind of happy feeling and kind of like cultish sound of a bunch of people singing, I think it would be super fun. And then my last one, which I think would be in like normal fast motion, just kind of like an all out badass uh, shootout would be Sure Shot by the Beastie Boys. Um, nice. So uh, I think that is just kind of a cool sound and it like starts off really cool. Like the... And then, you don't stop. So I think I would, that would be such a fun movie to watch a shootout too. So uh, those are my three picks. Uh, so, Preston, I'm. Well, pitch a story to J.J. Abrams and he'll make it happen because he's a big beast. Correct, boy, oh, part of the tribe, you know, all the Jewish guys. Uh, but yeah, yeah, of course, J.J. Abrams. They've used it in every Star Trek movie, uh, Beastie Boys. So. Um, but yeah, sure shot I think would be fun. So I'm curious, Preston, what you picked. Okay, yeah, I also have three, but I have one like that is the clear answer for me. That it's it's been on my mind for uh, ever since high school. It's been one that I've wanted to make a short film using it. Um, so I'll save that one for last. But um, my first one is the classic by Saliva. Click click boom. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> For fuck's sake. <laughs> um, I, you know, it, 
it's it's so awesome when movies like bring like a new context to a song or they just like take a song that's like just totally like not meant to be used in that sort of scene um and kind of like a was it like girl with the dragon tattoo like they use like sail away or something like that yeah um during like a, a or- moment of Ornico- torture ornico flow that song title yeah so um something like that maybe like inya's only time or something like that would be kind of fun but i think i believe there's been like movies like i imagine like deadpool using it or something like that so um that one would be kind of fun but uh to get a little more honest with myself um i would probably say the cures disintegration Uh, I think that one just has that sort of like dark mood that would be like kind of perfect for a movie, kind of like The Crow, since they use like The Cure's music and Nine Inch Nails in that film. But that like that kind of dark tone of a film, I think would be kind of perfect for it. Um, And my, yeah, my ultimate choice is uh, Tiny Dancer by Elton John. I just think it has like the, the perfect kind of like build up to be absolutely hilarious and awesome of using kind of like fast motion and slow motion especially when you get to like the actual like softly slowly and then it's like the person like raising the guns and then hold the clothes and then just bam 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 like it could just be so much fun we had like a similar thing there with like i'd like to teach the world to sing and tiny dancer because they're both like great songs and like kind of easy listening in a way but then yeah. again you it's like it makes for a really creepy and really cool shootout i think and just hearing you say like tiny dancer I mean, that would be like oh man like L- you... like just overly violent like robocop unrated <laughs> yes no i i think these are pretty fun ones i think i think i because i we visualize it in our head it's like oh that would be so cool and, you know, it's interesting because you say Elton John because he lent one of his songs to the Kingsman 2 and it was a super violent scene. Yeah. So, but it wasn't Tiny Dancer, though. So yeah. I think he would be up for it. <laughs> so shall we uh, read the Reddit responses? Yes, I'd like to know what the rest of the world thinks. Okay. Uh, Mr. Uh, D-Arm, Mr. Derm said, come on, feel the noise by Quiet Riot. Come on, feel... Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> um, Brain the Unfazed, or Brian the Unfazed, said, if I were in a shootout, it would be more of a tense situation than a badass action scene. I don't know what it would be, but ACDC would not be on the list. <laughs> <laughs> uh Fucking stupid people said the immigrant song by Led Zeppelin, which I could see that. Ah. Yeah, but that, that song's like completely Thor's now. Yeah, that, and it was also in uh, Small Soldiers and School of Rock with uh, yeah <laughs> with Jack Black. Um, that one Asian ninety six hundred said Judas Priest's Painkiller. So, um, I don't remember that song off the top I'm, of my head, so I uh, have to like, throw it in here. Here, listen to it now. Yeah, you listen to Ooh. it now. <laughs> um, Jay Reacher 455 said, Five Finger Death Punch's cover of Bad Company because it's pretty brutal like a movie shootout mm. should be. All right, yeah. 
Um, and then uh, Nigo Zero Ichi sent a YouTube link, and it goes to. Um, I'm waiting for it to pull up. He didn't write anything. No, he you, just. You were he, brave enough. Yeah, he just did a YouTube link. <laughs> so I'm going to this YouTube link, and it is. A uh, ghost in the shell soundtrack floating museum, uh, which, uh, if I remember correctly, I th- uh, I think from the the um, not the new live action version, the original anime version, uh, I think it's like a very like kind of tense, very soft melodic kind of score. Uh, so mm-hmm. there's that in Erlocker. Erlocker. I wonder if that's like Erlocker from. Uh, the uh, Silicon Valley uh, YouTube. He sent a YouTube link as well, and his was drowning pool. Let the bodies hit the floor. <laughs> of course. <laughs> let the you gotta you gotta the put floor. those on the nose ones in there, kind of like click click boom, you know. And then uh, wake you up. The last one said honestly anything but classic rock like ACD and ACDC and others. It is so severely overused and makes me roll my eyes every time and I cringe. I wish they'd use other genres that don't make the scene cheesy, like maybe current indie rock or hardcore. Maybe play some disco, electro, justice type of music. Anything but classic rock. Hmm. So I wonder if he has a point. I don't know. I mean, we kind of give some, like, I I feel like we gave some uh, songs that were kind of like what he's saying. Yeah, like uh, maybe like Dance Hall Days or something like that. Most like 80s tracks or something like that. It's just like my kind of fun kind of a shootout. But it's interesting to hear other people who say, nah, I kind of prefer something that's a little more realistic and that really serves just how badass uh, of a moment it is versus uh, kind of something that's like giving us the silly side of it. And I have to mention, like, Jordan Peele de- definitely did a great job with using, I put five on it in the, his recent yeah. horror film, Us, during a very violent scene. And mm-hmm. it worked perfectly. I Granted, he used, like, a different mix of it. But even, like, the original version is, like, a very haunting. Haunting, yeah. Yeah, and it was, it was super cool, like, that he's like, yeah, we got to put that in. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. What's the winner of this? Is it... <laughs> I don't know. Is it come on, feel the noise, or is it? <laughs> it's it's Elton John, man. It's Elton John. It's Elton John. Elton John wins everything. He's good. So uh, email us at mybloodypodcast at gmail dot com if you want to let us know uh, what song you would want uh, to be in your ears during a big movie shootout. And Preston, you need to email your best friend Peter Weller with our uh, answers. <laughs> Uh, I think he would be, he would just completely ignore it. I'm pretty sure if I say anything that's related to RoboCop and it doesn't have a dollar sign next to it, probably won't happen. <laughs> Send him a dollar and say you buy it <laughs> okay, for a dollar. you buy this for a dollar? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, all right, that's our bloody questions. We're moving on to bloody recommendations now where we uh, suggest a movie or a TV show of the horror genre that you should see, not necessarily a vintage one, but maybe something new. So, um, Preston, you wanna you wanna shoot for the moon first? Sure. Um, I think my pick this week, which is you know like RoboCop, is not necessarily horror, but there are scary moments about it and kind of like scary realities about it. Um, 
It's a movie that we saw at South by Southwest um, about four years ago called Hardcore Henry. Henry, they want your technology. How do you like the new you? All right, I'm here to help you. Okay, well, the good news is that you're gonna live a while. The bad news is there's an army standing between you and your wife. So let's go get her. Tonight, I'm gonna have myself a real good time. I feel alive. Oh, yes. Um. Yeah, so um, I have mixed feelings overall about this film, uh, but I just think it's such a fascinating experience and experiment. Um, I think it plays better on home video than it does in the theater because I remember seeing it uh, at South by Southwest at its world premiere, and it it was a dizzying experience, uh, kind of like the first Cloverfield movie was. Um, there's quite a few times where I had to look down. And so it makes for a good trailer because you'll have those quick shots and then it'll have like the more uh, um, smoothed out moments that have that, uh, yeah, like that smooth blending kind of feel to it. And but um, watching it a little, where you ha- can create a little bit of distance between you and the screen, I think it plays a lot better. Um, but there's just like a lot of f- cool stuff that they do in this in this film. Uh, you know, the plot line's pretty similar to RoboCop of a a guy not named Henry uh, who's uh, brought back from the from the dead, and he has no memory of who he was, but he knows that he has to save his uh wife um from this uh telekinetic warlord that looks like um uh, kurt cobain um uh, with a plan uh who has a plan to kind of make these like bioengineer soldiers um so um it's a very simple plot and so you're just like you're watching somebody playing a first person video game um but if you think about that, and if you're more of a meticulous film watcher like I am, it can be it, it, it's more fascinating than just being a uh, ex- than just being labeled as hey, it's like I'm watching somebody playing a video game. That's dumb. I was like, yeah, but when you like really think about how careful they had to be with pulling off a lot of these maneuvers, um, such as uh, running on top of a, a a moving van that he drops a bomb and, and then it blows up and then he lands on a motorcycle. Like just to create that, that continuity is just super impressive. And so there's a lot of like technical stuff that they do, which is super impressive. And they shot it like essentially just wearing like a, a GoPro type thing, guy wearing it on his head and just, um, the cameraman is the main character essentially. And so, um, I don't know. I had a lot of fun with it. I enjoyed, uh, Chartel Copley in it, who just like kind of comes back as all these different characters. Yeah. And, uh, so there's fun to be had in it. I can definitely understand that a lot of people would be annoyed with it. Um, 
it's uh, kind of misogynistic as well. A lot of the uh, female characters in the film are just like hookers and bad, uh, bad people and stuff like that. And so they just don't give them their fair share. But I think from a technical uh, perspective, this movie succeeds. And so I think if you uh, haven't seen it in a while or haven't seen it at all, it's a fun one to kind of watch at home. Yeah, for sure. I remember seeing it, and uh, it, it's like the 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 plot. It's, it's a silly, over the top, you know, mindless. But <clears throat> then again, uh, the like Preston said, the filmmaking and what they did for this movie, like it's it's really cool, and it's definitely worth checking out for that aspect, even if it's just once. Yeah, and you can watch the extras, and they can tell you a little bit how the magic's made, how the sausage is made. So it's it, yeah, it's fun. It's good. It's very good. Uh, I'm, are you curious on my bloody recommendation this week? No, at all. No, not at all. I'm going to go uh, heat up my lunch, uh, put myself on mute. Go ahead. All right. Just Sounds kidding. good. <laughs> Feed me. Feed me. All right. So going with RoboCop, I'm going to go with Maniac Cop 2. You have the right to remain silent. He's still alive. Forever. Again. You can't kill the dead. Why is this been kept from the public and the press? When this leaks out, people are not going to want to pick up the phone and dial 911. We're looking at a bloodbath here. Maniac come too. You'll be screaming blue murder. Sure. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, from 1990, stars Bruce Campbell, of course, uh, written by Larry Cohen, directed by William Lustig. Uh, we, at, at least Cole, James Cole Clay and I got to see this at Fantastic Fest a few years ago. We had a great time in the screening for it. Um, and it, it's basically kind of almost the same story as RoboCop, but done on a very much lower budget level and has more of a horror aspect to it where a uh, a police officer is killed in the first film and he comes back as kind of this zombie serial killer taking out bad guys and uh, Maniac Cop 2 that's more or less the same thing and it brings the action to the prison as well and it's just so much fun to watch oh my goodness I just had a great time watching this movie um Robert Earl Jones is in the movie, meaning that's James Earl Jones's dad. Charles Napier is in the movie. Bruce Campbell. I mean, it's just crazy. But it's just like, it's kind of like one of those, uh, like, it's movie set in 1990, but it, it feels like 1985 in the film. Like, it's just, they haven't moved on, really. And it is like, like real, like, stunts and car crashes and chases and gore. Like, it's... I really enjoy this movie, and I think it goes... I, I think it's kind of like a precursor to RoboCop in a way. Like, I think if you do, like, a double feature, you could do this first and get kind of, like, the ridiculousness out of the way and then see RoboCop and, like, kind of have, like, a... Uh, Which has its ridiculous moments, but, it, you know, we'll get into it a little bit more. But there's more going on. Yeah, there's more going on. It's on a different level. So uh, it, it's, it's kind of cool. Like, it, Sam Raimi's in the movie, too. And Danny Trejo has it is in, in it. Like, it's just all these young people are in it in 1990. And it is a, it's a good film. And so, like, do you should you see Maniac Cop? Yeah, of course. But if you want to skip to Maniac Cop 2, there's really no reason to... Um, 
to see the first one like it, it it's yeah, all it's like road warrior and mad max yes yeah, so uh yeah maniac cop 2 is, is, is so good and fun which will lead us into our feature presentation of the week and now our feature presentation the question all america is asking robocop who is he what is he where does he come from kids look up to him stay out of trouble Women feel safe with him. Let the woman go, you are under arrest. And criminals fear him. The summer's new superhero is America's new super hit movie, RoboCop. I really love that guy. Rated R. Now playing at a theater near you. One of our favorite films. Uh, of all time. Of all time. And it's really stood the test of time, too. And it, it's... Like, like again, it came out July 17th, uh, 1987, and it takes place in the city of the future, Detroit. However, they didn't film it in Detroit. They filmed it all in Dallas, Texas. Yeah, they 19- just got, like, some exterior shots in Detroit. Yes, but a lot of the film was filmed in Dallas. Like, the skyline of Dallas is clearly visible everywhere. Yeah. And um, so, so we're we're essentially uh, doing this podcast from OCP headquarters. Yes, we are. Um, I we, drive by it like almost every day. Yeah, it's. Uh, it, I feel like I just sounded like. Uh, yeah, I mean, come on. I uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so th- this movie was directed by Paul Verhoeven, who in the 80s and 90s uh, was a pretty big deal. Like, he did RoboCop, he did Total Recall, Basic Instinct, Showgirls, Starship Troopers. Like, pretty, and more recently... Yeah, Hollow Man. And more recently, he did a great film called L, which I really liked. Um, And uh, it was written by Edward uh, Neumeyer, and of course starred Peter Weller, Nancy Allen, Ronnie Cox, uh, Miguel Ferrer... Kurtwood Smith, of course, who is like kind of the complete opposite from this film as he was in that 70s show. And uh, guns, 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 guns. Yeah. So this movie, I I mean, I, I in 1987, I was six years old and I absolutely remember seeing this in the theater because my parents brought it or my dad brought me to the film. And I remember just like, holy shit, like this is great because. Uh, my dad's company was in downtown and they filmed uh, some of the scenes on like the back lot where their warehouses were. And then at the courthouse where my dad would come home late at night because he was watching the filming going on where RoboCop busts through the walls and throws somebody out of the courthouse. Like, So he's like, yeah, we got to see this. And I was like six. And I just remember how gory it was and just like, holy shit, this is great. But... Also, at the same time, scarring me for some reason. Like, oh my goodness, I don't want to die in a gunfight like that. And so, uh, this movie, just like, I always loved it. Uh, It just, and like Preston said, it has a lot more going on than what it, on the surface of this film. So, Preston, I don't think you were alive in 1987? No, I wasn't. My dad, like, just graduated high school two years before. (laughs) (laughs) So... I'm curious, and I know this is one of our favorite movies, and your best friend is Peter Weller. I just, I'm curious when the first time you saw this movie and like what you thought about it. Um, my first experience, or I guess when I first knew that it, the movie existed, um, Peter Weller went to the University of North Texas, which is in Denton, Texas, which is where I'm from. Um, 
I lived there for until I was I don't know, 22 or something. Now I live in Dallas, but um, there's a water burger uh, near the university. And at that time, I think they, they, they had a bunch of uh, photos and post movie posters of famous uh, alumni who, you know, went to UNT, who graduated from UT or studied there. And so they had, um, like, Necessary Roughness. They filmed some of the scenes in that film um, at Fouts Field, which is no longer there anymore. Um, and then Peter Weller. So they had a picture of Peter Weller from Screamers, like a little photo of him, but they also had, like, a full-size poster of RoboCop in there. And the booth that m- my dad and I would go to most because I was so fascinated with that poster was the RoboCop booth. And so I would ask my dad a lot about that film. Um, and so I think I was probably like seven or so, um, that I can like remember it. And, uh, we had a VHS copy. So I was the only child at the time. Um, my, my brother wasn't born until I was like 13. And so I got, I got away with a lot of stuff. I got to watch some like dark things because I was a very, uh, shy kid and, um, didn't display like bad behavior all the time until I was 13. And so, um, I was cool. I could watch Terminator two. I think that was the first rated R movie I ever saw. And so, uh, I could watch stuff like that. And so I was probably, yeah, maybe like eight or so until I actually watched RoboCop and, uh, fell in love with it. I just enjoyed, um, because I, I, you know, I was really young then I didn't pick up on the, the satirical and allegorical uh, meanings behind the film just yet, but I appreciated the the look of it and just um, his, Peter Weller's delivery of certain lines and just uh, the, the world, the world building part of it. And um, so, yeah, I was really young, but uh, I think your story is pretty cool, Brian, about um, – kind of getting like the production side of it is pretty badass. Yeah. uh, Yeah. That's how I came into it. That's how you came. That's great. And it's just, it's kind of a movie. Like if you see at a young age, like even like young people now, if they've never seen like this RoboCop movie and they see it and they're like, Holy shit, this was kind of really hardcore. And then like, our current political and social climates today. And they see this movie like this came out in 1987. They were way ahead of its time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and that, that's a common theme. I think we even talked about it on our um, episode talking about screamers. Um, and that's something that uh, attracted uh, uh, Peter Weller to do certain works was something that had something more on its mind. This film, RoboCop, um, it, it looks like a B-movie, B-action movie that could be so silly. And it has its silly moments, but it's um, it's got, like, all these uh, commercials throughout the film that's kind of, like, speaking about uh, commercialism, um, similar to They Live. Um, it's got, uh, you know, stuff about gentrification, um, like how they, like... Detroit is like crumbling and uh, the rich people or the people that are thriving are the corrupt corporate people. And so um, 
and, and they're going to rebuild uh, Detroit and call it Delta City on top of it. And it's not like in your face about all that sorts of stuff. It's like so subtly uh, revealed. Like when I think it's like in the famous scene where RoboCop shoots that pervert in the dick that's trying to rape a woman that it has like a billboard in the back saying Delta city. And so it just has like all these like moments, uh, just sprinkled all throughout where you're like, Holy shit, this movie is way smarter than it, uh, leads itself on. And so, uh, I think that's, what's so cool about, you know, I can watch RoboCop when I was eight years old and have a certain appreciation for it. And then I can go back and watch it later in life and be like, fuck, yeah. this, this movie has a brain. Right, right. It is. Uh, it, they, it really does. And like, like Preston said, with like the commercials being shown, there's like a commercial of like a family playing like a, a board game, but it's like a nuclear war board game. And it's just, it's crazy. There's like a lot of crazy things in it. And it's, it's meant to like make you laugh, but also like, yeah, this is like not... it's kind of sad at the same time and just you know a lot of stuff that we've been seeing over the last 10 years or more you're just kind of like wow robocop really was ahead of its time (laughs) and it's just like nobody watched robocop back then (laughs) yeah yeah um but yeah there's 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 more than just that there's even like thoughts of uh singularity of like even that's kind of like a deep thought blade runner-esque which is where the writer for robocop uh, first got, got his idea for it yeah 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 he's like oh well how about i like reverse this idea I, I guess if you don't really think too much into blade runner which you could say he is a robot but um if you just the idea of like a a, a, a robot uh who's like half human and half uh robot just kind of controlling the city so that idea of like kind of bringing um, like which one's going to kind of take over like because uh, there was like thoughts of that that were sprinkled throughout uh, the 80s um, with with works like uh, that Philip K. Dick did and Blade Runner just like, whoa, what if you uh, or upgrade last year or two years ago, whenever that came out of like replacing your bodies with like more advanced technology and like what can happen there. So it's like a scary thought, but uh, it's just amazing. Like how more much of a, reality that this movie is becoming as we go on further and further down the timeline yeah it's true it's very true and i think like it's like one of the big one of the first like mainstream satires on kind of like american culture i think as far as you know just people doing whatever they want you know and like getting it now and uh like any means necessary and kind of having this mentality of not helping other, like it's pretty crazy on how they did that. So, and, and it's good. And we, and then, you know, we, we all know the story of RoboCop, so we don't have to like really go into the story of it, but you know, I want to talk about Peter Weller for a mm-hmm. second in the film, just because the dude through basically 95% of the movie, you only see his lips. His chin. His chin. Yeah. Uh, and, the dude that Peter Weller, man, just with his body language, just made you care about this character and just acted so much, acted the hell out of it uh, to make you like care for this character. Like you, you only see basically his chin and lips. And like, I don't know how, like, 
not anybody can do that. I think. I just think like he just bought like a sense of character to this like robotic place, you know? Yeah, he's um of the times that I've talked to him, and I first met him in 2014, so five years ago, at uh, Dallas's Sci-Fi Expo, which is a, a sci-fi convention. And so he was there, and Nancy Allen was there. And so um, at that time, I was uh, finishing up my uh, bachelor's degree at the University of North Texas. And so I was wearing uh, a UNT hat. And so I, and he was wearing a UNT hat. Um, and so I walked by his booth and I saw that he's wearing that hat. And I, and then it just kind of all, all the memories of like me and my dad going to that Whataburger and be like, oh shit, he goes to UNT. And so <laughs> I, I approached him and said, hey, uh, I would love to have the opportunity to talk to you. I'm, I'm here, uh, for my, uh, university's paper, the, uh, North Texas daily. And I would love the chance to kind of, to talk to you about living in Denton and what it was like. Then he's like, hell yeah, man, let's talk. And so he's like, I'm about to go take a cigar break. Let's, uh, let's go out there and talk. And so me and my, one of my good friends, who's a photographer, he, uh, he, we just went out in the back where the, the loading dock is at the Irving convention center and just chatted with him for like 30 minutes and which is rare that anybody would do something like that at a convention center because dude, you make, I mean, that's the quickest money that you can really make is just sign an autograph and be like, give me my 40 bucks for five seconds. Yeah. And so the fact that he just did that was just that spawned, me and him to have a great relationship with each other where we have each other's contact information and like whenever he's it has a new project coming out because right now he directs a lot he directed some of the best episodes and it's not just because i know the guy but i really truly believe that he brings a, a great quality to the work that he directs um they are did, best uh, friends folks they are best friends <laughs> not lying <laughs> um sons of anarchy um he did he, he's like really into a lot of the stuff from the 80s that have been rebooted like hawaii 50 magnum pi uh he did uh mayans uh mc so he has he's involved in that sort of world uh that really appeals to him as like probably work that he would do as an actor. And he was in sons of anarchy. And so, um, yeah, I, I just think that ever since I've met him and as long as I've known him, he's just, he's one of the smartest guys I've ever met. And at this point, uh, like I know him so well, I know what pisses him off and what makes him upset. And I never take anything of what he says to me personal. Like for instance, um, when Scream Factory released RoboCop 2 and 3 on a collector's edition, it came out and said, and so I emailed them and said, or actually I texted him and said, hey, I, uh, RoboCop 2 came out. On, uh, I would love to chat with you about that. And he said, I'm done with the Robo Man. Uh, talk about anything else. And I just like laughed it off. Yeah. And it was like, all right, man. He's like, Truly, yeah. If there's anything else, I'd love to. And so, yeah, when Screamers came out on, through Scream Factory, I, I could hit him up. And he loved to chat about that. 
I, I think he's just kind of talked about RoboCop to death because that's the number one property he's associated with that he's just done. And so that's why I make jokes about him. Uh, if you want him to talk about RoboCop, you really have to give him a fat check. And uh, luckily, a couple of years ago, I think it was two years ago, yeah, for the 30th anniversary, uh, they did a Alamo Drafthouse Rolling Roadshow, did an outdoor screening of RoboCop, and I got to go to it. And I uh, chatted with uh, Peter Weller there. And so that was like the last opportunity I was going to get to chat with him about RoboCop. And so um, I don't know. It's been it's been really great. So I guess I'm giving you like some inside information about our relationship with each other and our friendship. But uh, we're not like super tight or anything, but I talked to him whenever there's like a project that's being released that he's either directed because I talked to him about justified directing episodes of that, uh, under the dome and the Stephen King, uh, TV show. And so, uh, and then whenever there's like a scream factory film, because they do a lot of his work, um, like they did, uh, of unknown origin. And so I talked to him about that. And so, um, he's just like, he, he really is like a super smart guy. And so that's what I'm getting at. Uh, I think he just saw this cause I, I, I actually, I know he read the script or read or read a little bit of it and was like, nah, this isn't for me. And then his wife read it all the way through and was like, no, I think you'll really like this. There's, there's like we said earlier, there's a lot more going on. And so he got on board. And then when Paul Verhoeven got on board, cause they did go to like every director, uh, working at the time, uh, that's been somewhat associated with, uh, action films to kind of do this, but it just didn't end up panning out. And so, yeah, ended up getting Paul Verhoeven. And that was like, before he did like, uh, total recall and all these other like big movies. So this was like this first kind of like big American film. Interesting. And um, when they got the first, when they got the suit uh, first, when they, yeah, when they first got the suit for RoboCop and Peter Weller was putting it on, he's like, man, I am not getting a lot of movement in this. So we're going to have to change the entire language, the body language of RoboCop. And so he brings that, as you said earlier, Brian, that humanity, that humanity shines through, even though you only see half of his face or a quarter of his face. And um, it's more than just like him saying like these robotic great lines like dead or alive, you're coming with me or your move creep. Um, it's just like these like th- there's movements to them, even though they ha- they're under this or being filtered through this kind of mechanic way that feels very kind of human in nature. Um, like there's parts throughout the film where he's getting more in touch with his human side. Uh, when Nancy Allen's character says, your name's Murphy. And then, uh, when he's first being, uh, reborn or when he's being reborn again, or not again, but just being reborn, um, he's having memories of his death and, um, He's just recalling when he was a human being. So um, I just think that he recognized all those uh, great aspects of it. And that's uh, and it shows. Yeah. So there, th- there's the long winded answer to that. No, but it, it's it's true. Like it's 
it's that good and he's he is that good and it's interesting because like you can't see anybody else but peter weller but supposedly they wanted rutger hauer and michael ironside to play robocop at one yeah, point even arnold schwarzenegger but then <clears throat> they uh said that yeah it'd be pretty expensive to put all that armor on already a big dude yeah yeah for sure um this yeah this and like let's talk about the score for a little bit even the score is so good Mm-hmm. Like the music um, by Basil Polidorus is just the orchestra and it's like the synth stuff he uses is just super good. Um, I don't know that it's, it's, it's like kind of like a mix between kind of like an orchestra and like something robotic or something like that. And it just like worked perfectly, I think. Yeah, it's like everybody across the board knew what kind of film they were making and knew uh, that there uh, is more than what's there on the surface. And they brought all that to the screen in their individual uh, roles in the film, whether it is the score, the cinematography, like the cinematography even has like these kind of. Uh, kind of like a robotic nature a little bit and then quick cuts. So a lot of it is just kind of like uh, Paul Verhoeven uh, rolling with uh, with what happened on set. Like, for instance, the warehouse shootout sequence that we were talking about during our bloody question. Um, the guns, because they that that scene, they're just firing a shit ton of bullets and uh, the guns would only uh operate for about three seconds and then it would just cut out so it would only look cool for that amount of time and then have to reset so that caused them to uh just adapt and do quick cuts and things like that and so i i I just feel like they all across the board like found knew what kind of movie they were making and knew to bring a little bit more to the screen and i believe it shows and they even made it work with uh with how things kind of operated on set. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I just think it's uh, quality across the board. And, you know, we've been saying the title all wrong this whole time. Um, it is the Oscar winning movie yeah. RoboCop because it did Directed, win an Oscar. Or, uh, nominated for sound and editing. And one best sound editing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so happy this has an Oscar. It's yeah, so yeah. great. Versus, uh, I don't what was it, like Suicide Squad or something like that? Right, it, right. Yeah. Let uh, this be the Oscar movie. Yeah, let this be the Oscar movie. And then even like it's it's become such a big, you know, iconic film and character. Like they're they're putting a uh, like a big statue of RoboCop in Detroit. In Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's just kind of crazy and awesome at the same time. Like they did one for Rocky, but they're doing one for RoboCop. But it's super cool. I like it. Yeah. Um, I know that it, it kind of has the city divided a little bit that they're doing that because uh, for one, it would, you know, it'd be a great tourist attraction uh, because it's uh it's a cool association to have with your city, um, that film, at least I think. But then, you know, some people uh, feel otherwise that um, it kind of like reinforces uh, the image of Detroit being like a, a lawless hellhole. And so, um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's interesting. I know it's been like uh, in development for them to do this uh, statue for a long time. I feel like almost 10 years or something like that, but um, hope it happens. 
Yeah, no, I, it, supposedly uh, the last I read is that they're actually doing it. So good. Um, and I, I don't know. So it's you know we're not going to go into it a whole lot, but the movie did spawn uh, a few sequels, and as far as and a remake, and you know while you can enjoy some of these for your own ambitions and yeah, likings. I enjoy the 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 second one to a degree, but I mean you can tell that. Uh, Peter Weller's heart's not in it as much, and that one was more of a paycheck and kind of being uh, just tied to your contract a little bit. Right. Um, but uh, I think the first quarter of it is pretty pretty great, um, and it has potential to be a really great movie, but then it just kind of ends up being like your typical action film at that point with your uh, standard bad guy type of situation. So, um, yeah, that one... Because uh, part two was written by Frank Miller, you know, of the Batman uh-huh. comic book series in Sin City and was directed by Irvin Kirshner, of course, yeah. who did Empire, Empire Strikes, Strikes Back. Back. Yeah. yeah. So it's got good talent. But then again, it's. But uh, Irvin Kirshner is like uh, batting cleanup. He's like that kind of like janitor director who would like come in after uh, almost like all hope is lost kind of situation like George. Uh, I mean, that's a whole big discussion, but George Lucas, you know, didn't want to do Empire Strikes Back. And so he just kind of came out after like not having like the, the biggest stuff. But uh, um, but I guess after doing like Empire Strikes Back, he's almost becomes like maybe a household name, uh, at least during that time. I don't think time has kind of remembered him as well. But um yeah, three. I mean, you have uh, Fred, Fred Decker. De- of Monster Squad and Night yeah. of the Creeps directing it, along with Frank Miller returning to write it. And it's just kind of like, huh? And you have yeah. like the late, great Rip Torn that was in it. And it's just... Uh, and that movie is shit. Yeah. And Peter, Peter Weller did not return for that one. Correct. Um, and yeah, it's it's not good. It's a, it's a hard one to get through. And so, uh, yeah, the, you know, the first one's got all the good stuff and. I don't mind the re the the remake so much. There's some decent stuff in there, um, but it, it is just kind of like a, a lazy one. I haven't really remembered it or revisited it or anything like that. But I guess there was just like some things that they did in the film that where they explored his humanity a little bit deeper. And I know that was uh, in the original script for RoboCop 1987. But uh, Paul Verhoeven's like, no, I think it'll make it too sentimental. And so um, I, I could totally understand that for the tone that he has in that film. But since um, we're in a new age of filmmaking and uh, we kind of demand our films to have a good balance of everything, um, it clicks a little bit better for the remake. But um, there's also, I guess, Neil Blomkamp is going to be making a, a spiritual sequel to RoboCop. I don't know if Peter Weller is returning to that. I, I don't really want to ask him. So um, uh, maybe he, he might do like the voice or something. I don't know. But uh, that's kind of cool. I, I like the the idea of that uh, being uh, the next thing that they do to kind of advance this uh, franchise. Yeah, and you know what? I really want to uh, like Neil Blomkamp. Like, District 9 was next level, but Elysium and Chappie were really bad. 
And yeah, it, I mean, it could be like a, a, a Kevin Smith type thing where he's like, you know, I made my my great thing. And then, uh, you know, my personality is kind of like run out in the films that I make. And they end up kind of like being carbon copies of each other. And that's what Elysium and uh, what was the other one? Chappie. Chappie ended up being. But uh, I mean, you can tell from like Chappie, like he's Love interested Robocop. in that world. Right? Yeah, or even sure. Elysium. Um, so, uh, I think it's good territory for him. I was excited about the opportunity of Neil Blomkamp doing a, uh, sequel to aliens. And so, um, if this is what we're going to get to kind of explore that and since Halloween 2018 kind of did that, I, I think he, I think he has the, the talent to make it happen. So I'm more, uh, hopeful of that happening. Right. Yeah. Let's hope so. Uh, but yeah, overall, I mean, you need to own RoboCop. Like, you know, it yeah. was part of the Criterion Collection at one point, which I have yeah, that the unrated DVD. version. Yeah, and uh, it's been on Blu-ray several times. I don't think it's made it to 4K yet, has it? No, but um, I think Arrow Video is going to be releasing it soon, so there might be a 4K transfer of it. Um, nice. So yeah, we'll see if that happens with some cool extras. I bet. I don't know if Peter Weller would be attached to any of that because, yeah, like even if you like look at a lot of the extras for uh, some of these Scream Factory things, he's not a part of it. He, he was like there for like Buckaroo Banzai, um, but um, yeah, I don't think he'll be there for like a, a new commentary or anything like that. They'll probably just do like the archival ones. But uh, so yeah, there's that. So maybe down the line it might enter 4K. Yeah, let's hope so, because that's a movie I'd love to see in 4K with a brand new edition. Or, please, just release, re-release the Criterion version again. Holy shit, that's a great version. Just, you know, maybe add a few things or the new transfer for it. Um, but, yeah. Uh, but yes, yes, it's good stuff. And, uh, yeah, RoboCop, one of our favorite movies. And, uh, yeah, that I think that kind of wraps up our episode 59 of my bloody podcast, which this is, of course, a very bloody movie. Yes. And, uh, yeah, it's always fun, uh, always fun doing these every week. And, yeah, I'm Brian Kluger, BoomstickComics.com and HighDefDigest.com. You can read all the good stuff there. I recently watched Critters Attack, and that review will be up very shortly. And, uh, yeah, a few other things to go along with that. So that is me, and Preston can be found everywhere on the Internet as well. Yes, you can find me on Twitter at Preston Barta, B-A-R-T-A, or on Instagram under the same handle. I just posted a picture of me finding a VHS copy of RoboCop, and I rewatched it uh, earlier this morning on VHS. And you know how much I paid for that, Brian? How much? A fucking dollar. <laughs> I'll buy that for a dollar. <laughs> True story. Excellent. Um, so, yeah, there, I have that up. So I like collecting uh, VHSs. But, um, Do you have you a VCR? My, Oh, yeah. I got a VCR. Right. I got a VCR in my uh, movie room. So I got uh, I got all my old clamshell Disney films. I collect uh, v uh, horror movies that I can find. I, I don't spend like high dollar amounts. Like there's people out there who buy them off uh, eBay and spend like 20 bucks like me. I'm just I like the hunt or like the surprise of like finding. Oh, shit. They have aliens or they have uh 
just recently I got Halloween one, three and four and uh, Nightmare on Elm Street uh, two with the original like 1980s release and stuff like that. So it's just cool when you can find that out in the wild. Um, so yeah, I have a VHS player and I like to watch it cause I like to see like what sorts of ads that kind of come with it. Like my favorite one from, uh, that I remember as a kid was having total recall on VHS and they had a, um, trailer teaser for Terminator two that you can watch online right now, probably can YouTube it. And it was like inside skynet when they were like making the terminator and that always just stuck out to me so i kind of like that uh charm that it had back then with those ads just uh hitting my nostalgic heart so yeah i do all that but uh you can find my uh, written work on freshfictiontv.tv uh I, I can't remember if i mentioned it last week but yeah got stuber interview with Dave Batista and Kumail Nanjani on there. And um, on the Ditton Record Chronicle, DittonRC.com, I did a review of The Lion King, which I released last week, but um, that's out there. But uh, I, 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 once again, I want to plug uh, The Art of Self-Defense. Like I, That's the movie to see there this weekend. Don't go fucking see Lion King, which is a lazy ass remake. Um, go see, unless you have kids totally understand. Cause I'm going to go see it again with my family this weekend, but, uh, the art of self-defense, man, that's a highly enjoyable film. That should be the one that you seek out. I agree. Uh, art of self-defense is excellent. So, um, yeah, until next week we will uh, be watching horror movies and gathering all the San Diego Comic-Con news for you for next week as well. So stay tuned, and we'll see you soon on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, my bloody podcast.